Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Thanks be to God. The other week I climbed Sisbury Ring in the pouring rain. I needed to put my car into the Vauxhall dealers in Worthing to have the fan heat amended because you might have heard on the news Zephyrus have the disconcerting tendency to burst into flames. So Vauxhall have had to recall my car twice to sort out the problem. And rather than kick my heels at the garage for a couple of hours, I thought I would spend the time climbing Sisbury Ring, which is just up the hill behind it. I knew the forecast was grim, But when I arrived to blue sky and white clouds, I thought I might get away with it. But I could see this ominously dark grey line of cloud rolling in from the sea. And sure enough, within a few minutes of setting out, the rain set in. It was rain pretty much like we've had today. And despite getting soaking wet, it was an enjoyable walk. Trying to read my Bible at the top was an interesting experience. But sitting in the car on my way back from Worthing, I began to realise just how wet and uncomfortable I was. And when I got home, it was apparent that every single item of clothing was soaked through, and the trousers were absolutely filthy. It was a real relief to get changed into a set of warm, dry, fresh clothes. And thinking of that reminded me of a time when actually the worst set of clothes I think I've ever worn Uh, was at the end of a coach trip to Corfu, where we set out on Tuesday morning and arrived on Saturday morning, having been on the road the whole time and wearing the same clothes. I remember stepping into the bath and watching the colour of the water change and thinking, I'm not going to sit down in that and getting out and refilling the bath and doing it again. No, still, 
Now, a third lot of water before that, actually, I feel I could actually sit down in that without making myself worse than I was. If you've ever worn clothes that have become that dirty, that you just feel like throwing them away, you'll capture something of the emotive power of Paul's language in stripping off the old man, the old personality, the old self, which is characterised by dishonesty and all other kinds of sinful behaviour, just glad to get out of those clothes and to put on the new self, the new man, the new personality, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. They say that wearing a fresh set of clothes can make you feel like a new person. Getting changed by Jesus does make us new people on the inside. I don't know how often you buy new clothes. I don't buy new clothes very often. I think I bought more new clothes to keep myself out for going to Cambodia the other year than I have in my life. I'm still wearing t-shirts that I bought on holiday 20 odd years ago in Whitby, though I do only use them for running. That's one short, although intensive, use, and then they get put in the wash again. You would have to be both fabulously wealthy and incredibly wasteful to think of putting on a brand new set of clothes every day and simply throwing away whatever it is that you'd worn the day before. Yet that's the image we find in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Having taken off the old self with its practices, Paul says you then put on the new self, which is continually being made new in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Like every day, it's made new again, and again, and again. There is no prospect of this new self becoming old and worn out and tired like the old self we've discarded because every day it is replaced and renewed and undergoes a continuous process of being changed for the better. It's like putting on a brand new set of clothes every morning. But each morning the clothes are slightly better quality, a bit more upmarket, a bit smarter, more comfortable. Clothes that make you feel better about yourself. Because the word for new there isn't just new is in the sense of kind of replacing something, it's new in the sense of being improved. So every day, by God's grace and by his spirit, we are reclothed with a new personality which every day makes us just a little bit more like Jesus. In other words, the change involved in becoming a Christian is not a one-off change. As if when you become a Christian, you get a brand new set of clothes that you need to look after really carefully for the rest of your life and avoid getting dirty. Because that's it. You've had your second chance. And if those clothes get dirty, they can't be replaced anymore. Jesus doesn't just offer us a one-off second chance. His mercies are new every morning. Every day, the mistakes and flaws of the previous day can be forgiven. We are released from their hold over us and we are given a fresh start, a fresh set of clothes and the opportunity as the Spirit of God works in us to become more Christ-like in who we are and in how we live. 
And God never stops doing this. This is God's work in us. And as God works in us in this way, we end up getting better all the time. It's incremental improvement perhaps, and sometimes we might slip back, but the progress, as we allow God to work in us, is a constant renewing and changing for the better. Colossians 3.10 talks about us being renewed in knowledge after the image of our Creator. Renewed in knowledge. What does that mean precisely? Knowledge of what? The text doesn't specify. And so that means the precise meaning is left hanging in the air for preachers like me to exploit and take in whatever direction seems to be appropriate. Knowledge. Is it knowledge of right and wrong? The difference between the two? Quite possibly. When someone becomes a Christian, it's rare for their way of life to change radically and immediately. There is a fundamental shift in the orientation of our lives as we start to live God's way rather than our own. But it takes a while to figure out how that works in practice. Those aspects of how I used to live, I realise after a while I shouldn't really be continuing to live that way if I'm following Jesus. It can take a while for the Holy Spirit to shape and mould our conscience and bring it more and more into line with God's standards. That's why reading scripture is important. As we inform our minds through Scripture, so we are better able to discern what God's good, acceptable and perfect will is for us in our lives. I still remember something sticking in your mind, don't you? Bible reading aids I used to use soon after I became a Christian. One of them had, let your conscience be your guide. And the, the B was crossed out, so it said, let your conscience have a guide. And it was all about how, you know, how we think we ought to behave isn't necessarily in tune with how God wants us to behave. Because our conscience is informed by other people's expectations. We might have unrealistic expectations, we might think stuff is okay that isn't really. Our conscience needs to be guided and informed by the Spirit of God. And the tool the Spirit uses to do that is the Word of God. So the extent to which we know the Scriptures will have a direct bearing on our level of understanding of how God wants us to live. And that in turn will have an an impact on the depth of his renewing work in our hearts and minds. Knowledge is power. In the sense that our knowledge of God's word in our minds has the capacity to release his power more effectively into our hearts and so to change us from the inside out. So if for a while it feels like you're putting on a set of clothes each day which are of the same standard and you're not seeing the improvement that you're led to expect, read scripture. Allow that to move you on and allow God's spirit to renew you in knowledge as you understand the kind of person he wants you to be and how he wants you to live your life. But perhaps knowledge in the text doesn't refer to our knowledge of the scriptures or our knowledge of right and wrong. Perhaps it pertains to our knowledge of God as our creator. Maybe part of the process of renewal is an ever-increasing knowledge and understanding of God himself. And this kind of knowledge is personal, not theoretical. It's a knowledge of God, not merely a knowledge about God. 
God. And as our relationship with God grows and develops, we ourselves are renewed to become more and more like him. It's said that in terms of who we are and how we behave, we tend to become the average of the five people that we spend most time with. That's because all the time we spend with other people, we are being influenced by those who are closest to us. So how much time do we spend with God? How close are we to God? How much does proximity to God or our distance from God influence who we are and how we live? How well do you know him? What difference does it make? There's a phrase you run across sometimes. To know me is to love me. I'm not sure who coined it and it really is a most extraordinary claim to make. No matter who says those words, you can never quite believe them. All of us have traits that make us very hard to love. And I've never heard them said by anybody who actually believed that it was true. But I guess that God can say those words with integrity. Because in his case they are true. If you know God, then the knowledge of God will result in you loving God. Because the better you know God, the more lovable and worthy of love and worship you understand him to be. The more you encounter his goodness and his love and his holiness. If you know God, then you will love God. And if you love God, then you will want to be close to God. And the closer you are to God, the more like God you become. So we come back to the principle that we are a people shaped by worship. Greg Beale has written a book entitled, We Become What We Worship. For better or worse, we end up resembling whatever we revere, either for our ruin or our restoration. When our hearts become engaged, we cease to be detached observers. Instead, we are drawn into and end up participating in whatever is the focus of our hearts. So if we worship God as our creator, we will become more like God. If we worship Jesus as our saviour, we will become more like Jesus. We do become what we worship. Our knowledge of God, our knowledge of his love for us, our knowledge of his grace towards us, calls forth a response of worship from our hearts and that draws us close to God and the closer to God we get, the more like God we become in terms of how we live our lives. So worshipping a God of love will make us more loving. Worshipping a God of grace will help us to find the grace to forgive others as we've been forgiven ourselves. Worshipping a God of holiness will impact on how we live our lives and enable us to become more holy in how we live. Worshipping a God of righteousness will enable us to model our lives on his standards. Who we are as Christians, how we live as Christians, flows out of our worship. It's very important good to glorify God because God is worth it. It has a beneficial impact on our lives as well. Right at the beginning of the Bible it says that God made us in his image after his likeness. His great desire 
in creating people was to see his love reflected in our relationships with one another. To see a family likeness reflected in our lives. For Father, Son and Holy Spirit say, look, look, you can see these people loving each other. That's just the way we love ourselves and the way we love them. That is God's desire and it brings joy to his heart when he sees that happening. When we go our own way and we do our own thing, that image of God in each of us is marred. It's distorted. It's damaged. Sometimes beyond recognition. What should be the image of our creator can end up being something quite grotesque, like something you might see in a fairground mirror. But as we look at God, the one in whose image we're made, as we focus on Jesus in worship, the man who lived a perfect life, as we get to know God personally, that knowledge becomes the means by which on a daily basis God works within us to renew us, to change us, to shape us and mould us, to become more and more like his image. It is an immense privilege to bear the image of God. It's a high calling indeed. We believe that God doesn't produce substandard workmanship. He marks us, seals us as Christians with his spirit. We we bear his image. It's a responsibility and a calling that we have. And whoever you are, he made you with the capacity to be like him. And however much the ups and downs of life might have distorted and damaged that image of God in you, God is willing, patiently and painstakingly, To work within us to restore it again. Till he can see his image reflected in our hearts and in our lives and in our relationships. Because that's his desire and purpose for us. And as he does that, as the the image is restored again through his, his loving, painstaking, careful work, we gain a corresponding awareness of our own dignity and value. The more like God we become, the better it is for us. The better people we are, the better we feel about ourselves. We may not be able to change our own lives for the better, but the God who created us can do that. And he's committed to doing that. As we allow him to peel off the old, worn-out, dirty personality and reclothe us day by day with his image to be changed, to become more and more like him, to be renewed in the knowledge of who he is, your creator, and who you are in his sight, a child of God, the bearer of his image and his glory. That's our calling, our destiny, and our immense privilege. Let's pray. Lord, help us to see ourselves as you see us.
easy for us to devalue ourselves. To believe that we're rubbish or worthless or not good enough that we'll never amount to anything. But you created us to be like you. And somewhere inside us there is that image of God. That image of you as our creator. And thank you for your desire to restore that. And where it's been damaged and and corrupted and spoilt. Lord, would you set us right? Where our behaviour has taken away from who we are, Lord, release us from that. Help us to, to leave it behind like a set of dirty clothes. And change us and renew our minds. Renew our hearts. Renew our personalities. We can't change ourselves. But thank you that you are in the business of making us new. Because if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Help us to welcome your renewing spirit. So that we might be the best that we can be. And live our lives reflecting your glory. And your image. In Jesus' name. Amen.